0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message.
1: Amen. Amen. Amen you've got your Bibles, if you'll open up to Matthew chapter 2, you may want to put your finger there and also open up to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me say a thank you for letting uh, my wife and I have a few days away this week. Keep praying for her. Uh, we're praying for renewed health in 2024. She has had an even difficult week, but we were grateful to have a little bit of time away. We missed you. And uh, we're glad to be back with you this morning. As I was thinking about where we're headed this morning, which is the coming of joy in this season, I was thinking about the last several weeks on our calendar. We have talked through and we've gone through things like uh, Thanksgiving. And then, of course, we entered the month of uh, December. And we've talked about hope and peace. And it's interesting, you may or may not know this, I was, needed a refresher course this week to be reminded. But joy and grace... And the word thanksgiving all come from the same root word in the Greek language. And that root word is the letters H-A-R, H H-A-R. And the word joy comes out of that as well, hara, H-A-R-A. The word thanksgiving comes even out of that, Epharista. So all these words that we use during this time of year come from the root word in Greek that... All these words are kind of birthed out of and in the same family, if you will. And when we think about the word joy, I just want to remind you this morning as we've heard through the music, as we heard with what Brandon shared in the scripture that Heath read to us this morning, joy is connected to all those other things. So here's the deal. You cannot have one without the other. They are connected. So if you're a child of God this morning and you have the grace of God, then I want to tell you this morning, guess what? You have the joy this morning. You may not feel like it, but you have it because it is a free gift just like salvation from God. As a matter of fact, the word joy and rejoice you see all throughout the scripture, especially in the New Testament. And it refers every time you see this to this Uh, Feeling is not the right word. There's not a great English word for it because it's more than a feeling, as the great 80s band said. It's not just a feeling, but joy is this condition, maybe it's a better word, that you can find yourself in that is not dependent upon your circumstances. Do you hear me this morning? Joy is not dependent on what is happening around you. It's this inner gladness. It's this deep-seated pleasure that God gives to us for those of us who know Him. And it's out of that that we have things like a cheerful heart, which leads to cheerful behavior. It's birthed in this whole concept of joy. It's not an experience that comes just because circumstances around you are favorable. Oh, that that would be the case, but it's not. And the Scripture tells us in two passages we're going to look at this morning, but all throughout the scripture, it reminds us that this whole attitude and aspect of joy is a part of the Christian life that is ultimately founded in Jesus Christ. Joy is used, the word joy is used 59 times in the New Testament, 74 uses of the word rejoice, and every single time it's used is to signify a spiritual reality of the believer. So here's a question. You got joy? Joy? Oh, praise God, two of you. You two can leave. The rest of you need to remain seated for the rest of the sermon. It's hard, isn't it, in this world that we live in, even as a believer, to have joy. I'll, I'll be honest enough to confess that to you. All these things that happen in our world, we see what's happening. And it's hard to actually be joyful. But as has already been said this morning, it is a decision that you make as a believer. Where does joy come from? Somebody said, Jesus overflowing In you, J-O-Y, Jesus overflowing in you. That's where joy uh, comes from. Let me ask you this question this morning. What is the opposite of joy? You may say sadness. No. Because it's actually possible as a child of God to have joy in the midst of sadness. Some of you are nodding your head, you know what I'm talking about, because you had the experience of walking through something sad in your life, and yet somehow, mysteriously, supernaturally, at the same time, there's this experience of joy that you can't even explain. It's inexplainable, it's unspeakable, the Scripture says, this joy that we know is true for the life of a believer. No, actually, the opposite of joy is an interesting word. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. Which is interesting that we've been talking about peace, we've talked about hope, now today we're talking about joy. They're all tied together. And what happens is, when you are hopeless, you have the absence of joy, and you're hopeless, it leads to despair. And ultimately, what it leads to, if you're not careful, and this can even happen as a believer in Jesus, it ultimately leads into bitterness. Now, don't raise your hand, because you may be sitting beside one of these people this morning. Husbands, wives, have you ever known somebody who says, I'm a believer, who should be experiencing and having the joy of Christ, but for some reason there is so much bitterness in there that you look at them and you're just like, wow, where did that come from? It came from somewhere along the way, their joy went missing, it was replaced by hopelessness, they forgot who they were in Christ, they forgot God's in control, they forgot Jesus is joy, and all of a sudden their life turned into bitterness. You may know some people like that. Unfortunately, I do too. And it's sad, especially if they're a believer in Christ. They're a child of God. Because much like I was looking for a little gift package, much like if I had a little gift up here and I said to you, here you go, joy is a tangible, easy to be demonstrated, visible characteristic of being a child of God. It doesn't mean we always are joyful. Oh, I just was in a car accident. Praise the Lord Jesus. I mean, it doesn't mean that always happens, right? Donna knows what I'm talking about. Donna and I all know what I'm talking about. But it means even when things around us, circumstances around us change, or they're negative, or they're not what we hope for, somehow, spiritually, supernaturally, only by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, somehow joy is still there. It's amazing. It's amazing interesting that the christmas story is full of stories of joy so let's look at a couple of them this morning matthew chapter 2 verse 1 it came about in those days that actually that's luke let's go back to matthew some of you are going i got a different version pastor yeah just making sure you're paying attention this morning matthew chapter 2 after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea in the days of herod the king behold Magi from the east arrived at Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and we have come to worship him. Which we know, by the way, that was true of the Magi, but was not true of Herod the king. Verse 3, he heard it, he was troubled in Jerusalem with him. And they gathered together the chief priests and scribes of the people. And he, Herod, began to inquire of them where this child was to be born. Why did he inquire? Because he had a plot to kill the king of kings and the lord of lords. His plan was to kill Jesus. Jump down to verse 7. Herod secretly called the wise men, the magi, and ascertained from them the time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. When you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way. And lo, the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. Here we go, key verse, hang on. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Rejoice enjoy. joy, those same two words there are based in and rooted in the root word that I just told you just a minute, har, H-A-R. They saw this incredible joy. Flip to the right, if you will, if you've got your finger in there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. It came about in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. A census was to be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all who were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, Joseph went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David In order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Here we go, get ready. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all people. Now, I just want to be honest with you guys. I studied this past week and I looked in every translation of that verse because I have heard that verse read in different ways, different emphasis on syllables, emphasis on different syllables, pointing out which word is what. And I was like, okay, I am going to research this big time to figure out what in the world these angels are saying. And what I discovered was this. Man, we we are... Living in America is a wonderful thing. But it also conceptualizes and limits our brain to thinking the way, especially in other cultures, they would think. And especially how they would write. And if we were to write this scripture the way it was really intended, the emphasis is not so much on the news... The emphasis is on the joy. And joy is not an adjective of the news here. Joy is actually the noun. So the angels are singing, I'm bringing you some great news. But the great news is not, the news is not what's so important. What's so important is the joy is important. And the joy is important because the joy is a person, Jesus Christ. We read that and think, oh, it's some good news. Yeah, because we like, got our newspaper and we got bad news, but now we have some good news. It is good news, but the emphasis is on this great joy. And the only way you and I in this earth can have great joy is to know the person who, is the person who exudes joy, who all joy comes from, it's Jesus Christ. So here's the first point this morning. The first point is this. If you want joy, you have to realize that joy comes when you've received God's peace. It's interesting that the angel opens this entire announcement by basically saying, there's great joy, but the joy is wrapped up in a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what are they saying? The angels are basically saying this. Until you, and I know that Heath shared about this last week, until you actually have peace, with God, you'll never have joy. And the reason we have a lot of people walk around the planet who don't have joy is because they don't have peace. And the reason they don't have peace is they've never submitted their lives to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. So the angels are saying here, in essence, they're announcing that you can have peace. Peace and goodwill because of Jesus Christ. And we see many people in our world who have some semblance of happiness, some semblance. Maybe it may even look like joy, but I would, I would challenge you and challenge me to remember this. That if you see something like that and it is, has a very short duration or it's short-lived, then they really didn't have joy. Joy is not, church, hear me this morning. I'm, I'm preaching to myself because I need this. Joy is not fleeting if you're talking about biblical joy because joy will remain as long as Jesus Christ remains and Jesus Christ is here today and forever. And so if you have put your faith in him, that's the kind of joy you have. It may, you may have happiness and it may come and go. You may get what you wanted from your spouse or your kids or your parents under the Christmas tree. And you open it up on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. Or Some of you have already looked. I know who you are. I know who you are. You, you thought you taped the package back together. But your mom and dad knows. Just trust me. They know. Santa Claus has already told them you cheated. And you may or may not get under the tree what you hoped for. Maybe you did, and you may have some temporary joy. And as a kid, I remember you know, when my cousin had basically broken my toy before even December 31st, and I was really agitated. I'm like, well, my joy, my joy was very fleeting. Well, it wasn't really joy, it was happiness. Nothing wrong with happiness. It's great to be happy. I was reminded this week, Jesus is not concerned with my happiness. Jesus is concerned with my holiness. And if I have the joy of the Lord in me as a catalyst for life, which I do as a child of God, I just have to tap into it. Then I will be moving toward holiness. But if I decide I would rather have, Lord, my happiness, the way I want things, my agenda, this or that, and have happiness, the Lord will give you that, and the Lord will give me that, and He will allow us to settle for that temporarily until we realize, forgive me, Lord. I, I, need, I need something that's long-lasting. I need the joy of the Lord. And if we want solid joy, Paul talks about this a lot. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 14, he says, this joy that the Scripture speaks through of all throughout the New Testament That will give tranquility to our mind, he says, Romans chapter 14, is birthed through the power of the Holy Spirit. So every believer can tap into this. By the way, I love the book of Romans. I'm excited about our study next year. I hope you are. Because there are some foundational truths as a child of God that we need to know and be reminded of. Especially in the crazy world in which we live. And that's one. That I can have joy no matter what's going on in the world. As a matter of fact... The angel calls it, and Paul says this in his letters, he says it's a great joy. Not just joy, but a great joy, demonstrating to us that we not only ought to, but above all things, we should be rejoicing in this salvation through Christ. And not just salvation, but one writer said it this way. Even beyond salvation, which is a great thing to have joy about. One writer said this, the blessing that God has given us is so great It is so boundless that it fully will allow us to compensate for all the pains and distresses and anxieties of the present life. Let us learn to be delighted with Christ alone, that the perception of His grace may overcome and at length remove us from all the distresses of the flesh. Amen and amen. I need that. That's the kind of joy I need. Guess what? That's the kind of joy I can have. And that's the kind of joy that you can have. the angel said, by the way, this is for all... People, sometimes we think in our culture that these are gifts that God only gives to certain people. God called it a common joy because he intended for everybody to receive it. The challenge oftentimes in our culture is it's the ingratitude of the world is why they they don't receive this grace that is freely offered to all. But unfortunately, it's only enjoyed by a handful of people. So, this morning, I would ask you this simple question. Do you have that joy? Do you have that joy? Because here's the reality it is impossible to have the kind of joy that the Scripture is speaking of here without having the peace of Christ. So, maybe this Christmas season, one of the greatest gifts that you can accept is the free gift of salvation, the free gift of joy, the free gift of Jesus Christ and the grace that he gives to you. It's free. I know a lot of us are going to be spending a substantial amount of money on Christmas. Some others, maybe not so much. Some batteries included. Some you'll wish you'd have bought extra batteries Christmas morning, I know. There's one gift you don't have to spend money for. It's absolutely free. I'm not saying it's not expensive. It did cost something. It costs God his only son. But for you and I, it's a free gift of salvation. And if you want joy in your life, I will tell you, I will promise you, I will guarantee you, not based on Jack Eason, but based on what God's Word says, you cannot have God's joy until you've accepted His peace. And you have peace with Him. So if joy seems to be missing in your life, can I just... With all the love in my heart, ask you this question. Perhaps, are you missing the peace of God? Because if you're missing His peace... You're probably missing his joy. There's some interesting things we discover, not only about joy coming when we receive God's peace, but joy comes when you know God is in control. In church family, I could sit on this for like six weeks because the Lord just, uh, man, you... When Heath studies, I'm sure this happens when I study, this is for, for, for our benefit as much, if not more, than your benefit. Because I study some of these things and the Lord just kind of like, pew, pew, pew. dude, boy, are you getting this? Are you getting what I'm reading? And, and this point right here is one of those. Joy comes when you know God is in control. control. Think about this. Go back and look. Luke chapter 2. Let's look at it again. Get, picture this in your mind what is happening here. It came to pass in those days. This decree goes out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And so Joseph leaves from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and, and heads to Bethlehem with his pregnant wife. Okay? And he heads out to, to do what has to be done to go to the census. So keep in mind what's going on here. It's interesting, this phrase, and it came to pass in those days. There's a couple of things I just want to highlight here in this Christmas story that will remind us of the importance of joy and the fact that joy comes by knowing God is in control. It's interesting. It, the days here he's talking about is the Roman Empire. And originally, those of you who are history buffs know this, Don't go to sleep on me because we're talking history because this is important. Originally, the Roman Empire was controlled and ruled by several generals. But finally, after time, this one guy rose to prominence and his name was Gaius Octavius. Anybody remember that name? Gaius Octavius. He took the name Caesar from his uncle by adoption. And then he wanted a little more... A little more official name, Caesar was not good enough. And so he went to the rulers and other people and said, well, what can you call me? What can you call me? And they came up with all these names and they came up with this and that. And he said, I don't like that. I don't like that. And they said, how about Augustus? How about we call you Caesar Augustus? And so as he took over power of all of Rome, the whole Roman Empire, the Senate gave him this title. And when they said, how about Augustus? He said, ooh, I like that. And the reason he liked that is because if you study the origin of the word Augustus, it means of the gods. So he basically was saying, Caesar Augustus, I am of the gods. I am like the gods. And he he really liked that. He thought he was all of that and much, much more. And he was, at that time, the reality is he was the most powerful man on the earth. So when we read this, and the scripture says, it came about in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Think of the power that this guy had. This guy sitting in this little place called Rome on the huge globe of earth, in the little place called Rome, sat this guy who had gained this position of power. And there was nobody, if if he ruled a certain way, there was nobody you could go to to make an appeal. His authority was final. That was it at the end of the day, what he said went. That's some huge power. He makes a decree and the whole world has to bow to that decree. What had happened is it came to pass in those days, again, some of you know your history, there was this God of Janus. Not Janus Slough. We love Janus, But there was a God in that day of, called Janus, And Janus was the God of war. And what people would do is they would go into the, those who were following God. Those would go into the temple and they would pray to the God of war to keep everything at peace. Well, there had been a great peace because of Caesar Augustus had kept things in check. Because the only reason there was peace at that time was Rome was such a powerful force that no man dared to say his life was his own. And every man was a slave to Rome. Rome was kind of the ruler of the day. It's exactly what Caesar sought to obtain. So this ruler, keep in mind what's happening here, this is at the time of the birth of Jesus, this ruler sends forth a decree that everybody's going to be taxed, everybody's got to go back to their homeland, there's got to be the census, everybody's got to show up for taxation, they have to submit to me and do what I say was Caesar Augustus' plan? And it's interesting, if you do some history, and you can find a lot of this stuff online nowadays, you go and you look, and scholars have found documentation actually... In Egypt, there are records that have been discovered that show where people went back to their homelands and they went at this time, they went for a census completely confirming what the scripture tells us. Which, by the way, they can search to and fro across planet earth. They can dig up in every cave and find whatever they want to find. And I will guarantee you every time they're going to find out that God's word is going to be proven right and true every single time. We may not be here on the planet when some of these things come to light. But God's word is true. And so it's interesting, these records that were found, about every fourteen years, they've discovered that these censuses took place. And when the decree comes from Caesar Augustus for them to do this and go back to their family home, they pack up. Now it's also interesting, uh, ladies, the distance that was required on this trip. Now think about this. Don't, don't, don't lose me. Hang on. Think about this. What they had to do, because this little guy in Rome makes this decree, Mary and Joseph have to pack up. They have to get in their Ford Escape and they have to... No, that's right. There was no transportation like that. You're exactly right. What did they have to do? If you study it and look on a map, from Nazareth to Bethlehem was just about 70 miles. Let me just kind of explain what that would be for you. It would be like, ladies, you getting on a horse fully pregnant and riding from Greenville, South Carolina to Kings Mountain, North Carolina. Anybody want to sign up for that? I didn't think so. Or if you'd rather go south, we can go from Greenville down to the outlet malls in Commerce, Georgia. It's about the same distance. That's a long way to ride being pregnant. But they did it quite a distance. And so when I read this, so it came to pass, you think about all these things that are happening. Not only the distance, but you think about the location that they're going to be going to. They get to this place and the scripture tells us that they were taxed. Mary, who is great with child, the Bible says, while they're there, she delivers. She brings forth her her firstborn son. She wraps him in these swaddling clothes, lays him in a manger. Why? Because there's no room for an inn. It's kind of interesting. Let me ask you this question. If you were God, where would you have your son be born? The creator of the world chose For his son to be born in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for him in the end. It's kind of a foreshadowing, a precursor of his whole life. A a foreshadowing of, hey, there's no room. There's no room for you. Interesting that even today, few people have room and time for the Lord. They have room and time for about everything else but Jesus in our culture. And it seems that he's still consigned to that kind of position in our society. But here's what's interesting. You're going, Pastor Jack, wrap it up. What are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes we can get so immersed in the story of Christmas. Can I ask you to do something? Kind of back up from the story just a minute. And as we say, sometimes take a little 30,000 foot view. Because we look at all of those things that are happening... And we're like, wow, how could that dictator, how could that ruler make such a decree? To have to make them go 70 miles from one place to another when here she is pregnant. How could all that happen? And maybe our emotions start to run a little high. And then we forget something like this. 700 years before this event took place, before this couple started making their journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 700 years earlier, a prophet said this, and out of Bethlehem, You are little among the provinces in Judea, but yet out of these shall come the one whose goings forth have been from everlasting. The prophet predicted that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah. So it's easy to look at that and think, oh wow, Caesar Augustus was in charge. He wasn't in charge. He was a puppet. He was a pawn controlled by God Almighty to make sure what he wanted to happen, happened. Why do I know that? Because God is in control. And when you know God's in control, you can be joyful. You don't panic. You don't fret. You don't get anxious. You don't get worried. You don't worry about this or that or fret. Because God's in control. You're like, Pastor Jack, you're getting fired up. I'm sorry. This is, this is, I'm preaching to myself this morning. So when I read this, it came to pass. That's really like, we read it like, oh, it just came to pass. It just kind of happened nonchalant. Like it just kind of happened. No, it was foreordained by the King of Glory. God Almighty knew it. Picture it. Okay, he's probably thinking in his mind, if God thinks this way, I don't know if he does. Okay, wait a minute. I got a a virgin who's going to birth the king of the world named Jesus. She's way down here. How in the world am I going to get her over here to Bethlehem? Because that's what the scripture says. How am I going to do that? Oh, I'm going to use this king, and he's going to do a decree. I don't know if God thinks that way or not. But here's what I know. There are often times in our lives where things are going on and we look at it, church family, I look at it like, oh, this is a problem. This is a problem. What's going to what's God going to do? God is in control. He's in control. You think about Mary and Joseph, here they are getting to Bethlehem. There's another thing I see with this story about them, that they had such joy in the midst of this, and here they are alone. I don't know if you have, have been a part of birthing a child, ladies, by yourself. Or even with your husband. With, some of you may go, I would just rather be by myself than have my husband in there, based on the last experience. I remember with, I think it was with Will, let was trying to give birth and having difficulty. And they were like, can you hold her still while we give her the epidural? And unfortunately, there was this long mirror on the wall. And her the back was facing the mirror. And here they are getting ready to put that epidural in. And I start going. <laughs> the doctor looked at the nurse and said, I think you should take care of him. And I'm like, take care of me. I'm not the one that's pregnant. You know, she, she, if we had another one, she would not want me in there. because She's like, you are nothing but trouble and a distraction. But can you imagine Mary and Joseph, here they are. No help at all. Usually there was a midwife to take the child back in those days. But there's no midwife. There's no help. Here she is. Scripture tells us. Biblical scholars say she was maybe 16, 17 years old. She's giving birth to a a baby in a stable, in a manger. And here is God in the midst of this. And you're going, if you're like me, I'm going, how in the world could she have joy in the midst of that? How could she endure that? How could she have joy? Let me tell you how she could have joy. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Luke chapter 1, verse 8, the angel goes to her and says, Greetings, you're highly favored. You're highly favored. And if you jump down to verse 29, she was greatly troubled when she heard the announcement of the angel, but the angel said to her, verse 30, Don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son and call him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he'll reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And she says, how is this going to happen? Since I'm a virgin, how is this going to happen? The angel answers, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child 38, verse 38, Mary answers this I'm your servant, may your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Church, let me just tell you this it is amazing how you can have joy when you know God is in control. So let me ask you a question as we wrap up Are you fretting? Are you worried? Are you concerned maybe about yourself? a loved one, a family member, your church family. Can I encourage you today? God's in control. God's in control. The last thing i tell you is this. Joy comes when you look to the future. It's interesting. That Jesus, it was said of Jesus this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith... Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That joy is the same word that we see in these Christmas stories here. That same joy. The same word for joy. The writer hints at it in Hebrews. If you'll remember, we went through the book of Hebrews. The writer hints at it in chapter 11 where he talks about Abraham looking forward to the future with joy in Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 16. And here's what's interesting. The joy of knowing, and Brandon actually mentioned this in the music. The joy of knowing the future can carry us through the tribulations of the present. And all the apostles, along with Paul, suffered greatly to spread the gospel. They were beaten, they were arrested, they were martyred. And you and I should look at some of the things that they went through and say, "How did they do it?" You may tell you how they did it. They had joy. We should be wise to listen. And wise to watch what they held on to, how they persevered, and what they placed their hopes on. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8 I consider my present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Are you showing joy? Here's a few things as we wrap up that will help you show joy remembering the hope of the future, God's word. Brings joy, John chapter 15. Prayer b- brings joy, John chapter 16. The presence and fellowship of believers brings joy. That's why gathering together as a church is so important. Giving, we just got to do that. Giving brings joy. Do you have joy this morning? Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. If we have you, we have joy. If we have you, we have joy. Lord, I thank you for this message for me, what you've taught me this week. But I can't help but think maybe it's for at least one or two other people in this room this morning. Because with the craziness of the world, Lord, we need joy. As a matter of fact, when the world looks at us, those of us who claim to know Jesus, if they don't see joy in us, why would they want what we have? So, Lord, I pray this morning, as we stand in just a moment and sing, maybe some of us just need to almost lift our hands to heaven, to be a tangible, physical demonstration to say, Lord, I am taking, I'm receiving the gift of joy from you right now. I'm making a conscious decision to accept that free gift of joy from you. Church family, while you're praying, we're going to stand in just a moment. You feel led to sing the song that Brandon's going to lead us in, joyful, joyful. We adore that you feel free to sing if you need to pray. If you need to come here to the front and grab my hand or ask my friend Heath to come stand with me and Stephen to come stand. If you just need to pray, maybe there's something going on in your life that you just say, Joy is difficult. I know it's down in there. I know it's down in there. Whatever the need is that you have on your heart this morning, would you just do business with the Lord? For me this week, just confession, being honest, is to say to the Lord, I receive joy because you are joy. And I will not let the external things of life confuse me with the reality of what I know to be true. And that is, Lord, if I have you, I have joy. I choose joy. Maybe that's the prayer of your heart today. You can pray that prayer right there in your seat, or you can come grab us and We'd, we would love to pray with you and encourage you this morning. Father, have your way. You're in this invitation time today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church family? You respond as the Lord leads you this morning. If you need to pray, feel free to do that. If you want to sing, feel free to do that as we sing together. Whatever decision God has laid on your heart this morning, we're here to greet you.
0: Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at at jackathope.com at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.